Blog Talk Radio. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of The Lawyer's Toolbox on Law Talk Radio. This is your host, Nick Augustine, the law publicist. This show is brought to you by Law Publicist Communications, a legal marketing and public relations agency. This production of Law Talk Radio is funded by our sponsor, donation, and advertising, and we work hard to bring you new informatic content on Tuesday and Thursday afternoon at 3 Today's guest is Judah Kagan. He's the Director of Client Services for XFAN Technology Corporation, Provider of IIS computing, uh, does go beyond cloud, medical practitioners, and to replace capital costs and risks of in house IT enterprise level capabilities, and a 99% I'm guarantee at predictable user price point. Website for more information is www.isiutility.com. We do welcome our callers today. We have a great for you this afternoon and wanted to let you know that our programming is neutral and objective. Your counterpoints are certainly welcome. You can dial 917-889-9732 and press option 1 to be placed in our caller queue. That telephone number again is area code 917-889-9732, option 1 for the caller queue. By way of quick disclaimer, as we get going, I want to remind you that this is a general information program, and the advice shared on this show does not give rise to constitute legal advice. Communication with attorneys and guests on our program does not give rise to attorney-client relationships, and Law Talk Radio does not necessarily endorse all the opinions expressed by guests. And finally, callers have the right to remain confidential, and our broadcast rights are reserved by ALRPRA Incorporated. Before we get going with Mr. Kagan, I want to let you know about some upcoming events. First comes from the Chicago Lawyer Magazine, and a couple of events they have coming up are their Off the Pages series, two events I want to tell you about. Um, the first event comes on September 20th, 2011, called Taking Care of Business, and the three panels of interest are, number one, how to grow your book of business in a challenging economy, second, building a relationship with your in-house lawyers, third, motivating and keeping your talent, and these panelists will be presenting our top attorneys and executives with valuable insight. The event will be held from 7.30 to 11 a.m. at the University Club in Chicago. For more early bird registration and information, please contact Ms. Olivia Clark for more information at Law Bulletin. Her telephone number is 312-644-4033. You can also send her an email at oclark, O-C-L-A-R-K-E, at lbpc.com. MCLE credit is pending for this event and sponsorship opportunities are also available. Now, a very similar event uh, to the same same place, different time, different date, uh, actually same time, but this one October 18th, uh, one month later, again at 7.30 to 11 at University Club in Chicago, is all about taking diversity seriously. The following panels of t- subjects will be, number one, being a woman in this legal industry, how do you navigate the challenging waters? Secondly, a detailed look at local diversity statistics. In addition, Chicago Lawyer presents keynote speaker Aaron Reeves of NextGens. Reeves is a Chicago Lawyer columnist and diversity expert who will present a status report on diversity. Again, Olivia Clark for more information, 312-644-4033. And by way of a uh, subject matter today, we're going to be talking with our guest, Yehuda Kagan, on all sorts of different things regarding hurricane preparedness. Yeah, he's in Houston. You know, We're here in Chicago, and we have listeners all over the place, but you don't need a hurricane to be affected by disaster. Yeah, Here in Chicago, we had a series of tornadoes. In fact, just last night, there was uh, news of a tornado uh, watch. All you need is a law office or some of your files or materials to be in a basement. Let's say you have a server computer located on a lower level. That could get flooded. All sorts of terrible things can happen. I mean, you don't need the roof to blow off your head to uh, have problems. So we're going to talk a little bit about... Some some different preparedness levels, so uh, we say hello to our guest, Yehuda Kagan. Hello, how are you? I am good. Thanks for being our returning guest. You were on back in March. We were talking all about the cloud, and um, I'm assuming we're probably going to be talking about some of the similar topics, but disaster preparedness, it's something that no one really wants to think about because, you know, I, it was, I was promoting and writing the write-up on the show, I thought, People are going to say, well, here we're here in Illinois. We're not going to have any hurricanes anytime soon. But whether you're uh, you know, ready for a hurricane or a flood or a fire, you know, disaster can strike anytime, any place. 
So it's good to be uh, prepared. So Yehuda, why don't you take us through steps we need to know. We'll be taking notes. Yeah, and um, just to add on what you said, yeah, you're absolutely right. The, um, you know, hurricanes and tornadoes are, you know, we think that they are so infrequent that uh, there's not really a need to prepare, but there's all different kinds of disasters. There's there's flooding or or theft and things like that that you always have to prepare for. And one of the things that that I think is absolutely critical is the the communication, both with your um, employees and clients, and I, I would also add, add uh, vendors and distribution channels because the key is to uh, pick up pieces immediately following the um, the disaster, and uh, you want to be uh, ready as soon as you can. All right. Well, in preparing and making a list, I like your and we you know we shared some materials offline. I like uh-huh. the preparing for hurricane season poncho or wetsuit. It's kind of funny. Tell us a little bit more. Yeah, well, I mean, let's go with, start with the communications. I mean, Poncho basically say, well, you're going to assume that all your corporate email and all your phone systems and all your, um, you know, information systems are going to stay up through the hurricane or the, you know, whatever disaster it is. And, um, you know, that's a Poncho, and, you know, unfortunately, if, if a disaster does happen, you're going to get drenched. So what you really need is to be prepared with a wetsuit, which is uh, probably a more appropriate uh, attire, and, like I said, we have to. You should compile an updated um, contact list and to communicate with contacts throughout the emergency. You know, before, during, and after. Um, and again, that that includes employees, clients, vendors, distribution channels, and um, and in you know, an easy thing to do is just laminate a copy and have employees uh, put it in their wallets just so they can stay in contact. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Mhm. What else? Well, um, you know, when a hurricane strikes. Now, let's go back to the poncho analogy. You know, if you if you do use the uh, poncho, then you're assuming that you can wing it. That uh, you don't need a checklist, you don't need a disaster response checklist, and everything's going to work out just the way you uh, you think it will. And of course, that's uh, that's an incorrect assumption to make. you know, you should create some sort of um, evacuation plan for your employees first and foremost. I mean, your employees are the most important asset of your business or your firm, and you should set safety uh, measures and procedures to make sure that they're out of harm's way if you can, in fact, um, prepare for it. I know with uh, hurricanes it's a little bit easier, but, uh, you know, certainly you have to make provisions for uh, tornadoes, which which can kind of prop up a lot a lot sooner than a uh Hurricane will. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got somewhere to go. You got to uh, distribute and review evacuation routes, and then of course, you know, set provisions for that when they are in those specific places, uh, wherever they are uh, on safer grounds. Uh, you want to make sure that uh, you can communicate once to them, with them once they're there, that they have some sort of tele- telephony system or computer system, remote access uh, system that they can uh, communicate with one another and with uh, headquarters. Um, I would also recommend that uh, for both um, internally and for insurance purposes, you take inventory of your equipment. You know, if, if you have a uh, you know computers, supplies, receipts, verification of, of ownership of certain um, high-value uh, equipment, you want to make sure that uh, you have a complete inventory of that. And of course, you know it, things that you can uh, you want to take you know photographic evidence, take pictures. Take pictures of, of the different items and the, the high-value items in your office because, um, you know, for uh, mostly for insurance purposes, but, you know, also for it's good to have internally to, when you're uh, restoring your uh, firm after the disaster. And, of course, you know, if you do have to stay for whatever reason, set up uh, provisions for that. You know, that might include a um, backup power supply in case of an outage. You know, a disaster can just be an outage. You know, it doesn't have to be this this, this enormous um, a mess or natural disaster it can just be a, a electrical outage, and uh, you know if it's for any extended period of time, it can um, it can debilitate a business or a firm. Certainly, and I've heard of people who have had you know power outages that have um, you know if you have a lot of high call volume, um, and you know, that can really shut things down um, you know, for a considerable amount of time. Um, and plus liability too, depending on what your practice area is, um, you could have some real problems. Let's say you're, let's just imagine that your office is, 
you know, office full of criminal defense lawyers and you have a case that needs to, you know, judge calls your case, the lawyer's not there, someone miscalendars. If the, you know, if a business is out of business, that can be really detrimental to clients and things. Tell us a little bit more about this, um, the wetsuit. I, you know, I like the, 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 the analogies here. Um, what's the good theory if we should think of uh, how to put the wetsuit on and what to, how to find the wetsuit? What about the wetsuit? The wetsuit is essentially the plan. Being proactive, you know, making sure that you have everything set. I mean, you just you just said it yourself. I mean, especially we have a, a client, a, um, a law firm here in Houston that has, you know, a client um, base throughout the United States. So as callous as it may sound, you know, a potential client in, you know, in New York could care less if a hurricane is coming to Houston or if a tornado is in Chicago. And if, if they can't get access to you, um, then they'll look Look for someone else. I mean, it's as simple as that. Um, the, the main thing is to have a plan, and in that plan, like I said, it includes communications. It com- it includes having a backup system of um, everything, and especially your uh, your data systems. Um, you have to make sure that you have backup of it, and, but and most importantly, you have to make sure that you can restore it in a timely manner. And I can't stress that enough. Right now, when you talk about the backup systems, where are these systems? Well, uh, we would recommend you have a backup system um, off-site. Um, and there's a list of questions you should ask your um, your provider um, if you do have them off-site. The most important thing we recommend is to just um, make sure that uh, you know what your recovery interval is, that you can get back up and running as soon as possible because um, – you know that might not be something that you've planned beforehand, and then when you when it comes time to um, restoring your business or your firm after the disaster, um, you, know, you don't want that to be a point of contention at that that point in time. You know how long mm-hmm. is it? Is it four hours? Is it two days? You know if if it's if you have a uh, pending cases, especially pending cases outside uh, the disaster area, um, you want to make sure it's. It's you know it's fairly quick. I mean you know I'm I, you know people within your geographic region will probably be more understanding if it's a one day uh, recovery interval, but um, if it extends to two or three or four or a week long, or um, if you have clients outside of your disaster area or if they have specific urgent needs, then uh, you have to be ready to uh, to serve them. Exactly. We're going to pause for our first set of commercial breaks, and then afterwards I'm going to ask you a little bit more about uh, what your experience has been with people who are setting up an alternative location, Um, you know, obviously hoping for the best, but if the worst were to happen, uh, let's say a tornado comes along. And I do know someone who, uh, she was out in Iowa, her side of her sorority house got blown away. Um, So, you know, it's it's something we never really think about, but all you need is a tree to crash through a property uh, or, you know, you could be without, a tree could knock out power, power could be out for a while. So, you know, in the worst case scenario, where do people set up shop and what types of plans are, you know, can people have in place? I'm going to ask Yehuda a little bit about his uh, experience with that after we hear our first set of commercial breaks. And our first commercial sponsor of the day is the law office of Nancy K. Ducharme. Do your marketing materials and slogans infringe on another's intellectual property rights? You should find out. Chicagoland attorney Nancy K. Ducharme brings Lodge Law Firm experience and reputation to her intellectual property law firm serving national corporate clients in the areas of trademark, copyright, internet law, and advertising law. When you need the right legal services to advance your creativity and guard against trademark infringement, call the law office of Nancy K. Ducharme at 708-444-7900. That telephone number again is 708 708- Four 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 seventy nine hundred. You can also visit the law office online at www.nkdlaw.com. And our second sponsor for the day is uh, Peak Marketing Sales Incorporated. If you have not met Mary Erlane yet, then you should listen up because she will help you make more money. Mary is well-known all over Chicagoland for her executive coaching and unique abilities in helping people connecting the dots and removing barriers to business goals. Mary is the president of Peak Marketing and Sales Incorporated, and her renowned coaching and consulting services are available to businesses, associations, organizations, and teams 
to bring about measurable results. Call Mary today at 630-768-1422. Telephone number again, 630-768-1422. Or visit Peak Marketing online at peakmsi.com. Our third commercial sponsor is Law Publicist Communications, a legal marketing and public relations agency serving Chicagoland lawyers and business professionals. Many people hire us to write their marketing material, blogs, and to promote and manage their webinars and events. We really are a full-service agency, and you'd be surprised how many ways we can help you. Give us a call at 312-854-7149 to see how we can help you today. The telephone number again is 312-854-7149. And we want to remind you also, if you have a guest suggestion for Law Talk Radio broadcast, do let us know. Drop us a note on our website or on our Facebook page simply by searching for Law Talk Radio in Google or under your search bar on Facebook. Now, getting back to our show with Yehuda Kagan, we talked a little bit about uh, some of the different theories on whether you are poncho or wetsuit ready for uh, for a, a terrible event uh, in case one were to come again. We're talking a little bit about hurricanes, too. And uh, June 1st uh, through November 30th, I believe, is hurricane season. And uh, there are already predictions that there are going to be several uh, storms to hit the coasts this season. So we're talking about what to do in the event that you find yourself without your um, without your grid of systems and technology in place as you normally see it every day. So uh, talking a little bit about setting up an alternative site, Yehuda, what are your experiences and what have clients told you that they are doing? Let's say you have a law firm of 30 people um, and the building uh, is damaged and people need to set up their emergency systems, what type of a place do people normally uh, elect to choose? Uh, what types of things do they do? Uh, what have you been asked to do to help? Well, first of all, if your build, building's uh, been damaged, you're probably a bit too late to start setting up your emergency systems. But, um, you, you, um, of course, we recommend having it off-site in some sort of um, uh Internet-based, and you know, some people call it the cloud or off-site backup. And really, uh, in these this time, in these these days, it's just there's no real excuse to not to have an off-site backup. They're they're fairly inexpensive, and you can, um, you know, most most even small firms can afford an, an off-site um, backup. You know, they they can range from, um, you know, fifty bucks a month to you know hundreds of dollars or thousands of dollars a month, depending on. Um, you know which solution you choose and how much data you have, but um, anything that's offsite over the internet. But again, the key I would recommend um, is to ha- is to be in touch with your um, with your vendor if you do choose a vendor, or if you don't. The key is really to um, properly plan it. Make sure that you're in touch with your uh, vendor and make sure that you can restore it. And the only way to make sure that you can restore it and restore it quickly is to regularly test it. It can be depending on where you live and, and how. Uh, disaster prone your area is i you know you you might do it every quarter you might do it twice a year you might do it once a year but it definitely should be tested i know we've seen statistics all the time that um you know anywhere between 50 to 75 percent of tests um fail so it, it the probability is there and, and the likelihood is that it will fail so it, it's very important to test so but anything off-site um we of course are uh, uh, recommend uh, some sort of cloud-based solution. Uh, we highly recommend it. Um, and there, and there are, uh, you know, there are a diamond dozen. But you just have to be careful, and you just have to work closely with those uh, vendors um, when you're planning it and when you're um, testing your plan. Okay. Well, when you're talking to a vendor and you have selected one, what types of things should? And again, we're in our programs focused on lawyers here, so we're focused on a law firm. What types of things should the law firm be concerned with backing up and restoring. So getting ready to have a conversation with a, an IT consultant, what types of things should they be thinking about backing up? <clears throat> well, first of all, again, you know, if you're not in a disaster-prone area or even if you're in Houston, I mean, it, it, was, it, it was, you know, five or six years between uh, tropical storms and people were just kind of getting used to not having a storm here. And uh, even if that's the case, so now when that happens, what normally happens is that you update your software, you update your hardware uh, locally, 
And if you have off-site um, backup or data backup um, with an older version, it is very difficult to restore that data. I mean, I talked um, earlier about, you know, the recovery interval, maybe being two hours, four hours, you know, up to a week or a month. If the versions aren't the same or if, there, you know, there's a large um, disparity between the versions, it could be like multiple versions in between um, your backup and your current system, you might lose that data forever. So that is a real key. Like what? Multiple versions of? Can you give us an example for those who may not be as tech savvy? You know, any kind of any of your applications. I mean, even something as simple as um, as Microsoft Office. I mean, I know everyone has that or has some sort of version of Microsoft Office. If you know, I, we have had uh, we've run into people who've um, wanted to move to Microsoft 2010 simply because they couldn't open documents from clients who were sending off. Um, Documents, sending, the, emailing them documents in 2010. It could be a database um, of um, you know your records, your client um, client list, your client um, confidential data. You just have to make sure that those um, any of those applications that you use, any of those software programs that you use, have to have the same sort of versions, or else you run the risk of not just uh, having a slow recovery interval, but uh, you know losing that that data forever. So we're really talking more about an audit. That's what I what I'm hearing is that to test the system um, and, and to take a look at things like software and uh, data recovery. I know I've anyone of us who's known solo practitioners who've had a crashed hard drive. I, I, I could think of a few people off the top of my head who spent um, a good deal of time at Micro Center somewhere similar working with someone to try to retrieve uh, bits of data and client files, almost something is always lost in the, in the process. I, I know just with uh, saving file names in Microsoft Word, every now and then I'll get a strange uh, message about a title. Uh, a title is too long and it doesn't want to move the file over. And so, so there's there's a possibility that that file, I, I just know when I'm transferring things from one place to another and doing backups, um, on actual physical media, uh, that sometimes I get these error messages, and it just kind of scares me, thinking, oh, you know, what's going on. So, you know, and and again, now I'm thinking, you know, think about my situation. I live in in Chicago. Um, I'm potentially at risk for. I mean, we have had earthquakes here; they're not very frequent or damaging, but tornadoes and such. And if my office, and you know, my office right now is not a lower level office, but I did uh, have a, a basement office in the suburbs. And if that were to flood, uh, and the media that I've saved stuff on, you know, if that gets damaged, now my backup, how good is my backup if my backup is sitting in a box and underwater? Yep. So uh, so as far as backing things up um, in the cloud or in an off-site uh, venue, what is that like on a daily basis? How does someone experience that? Does it happen that they have to push a button every five uh, every five hours, or how does it work? Well, I mean, a lot of these solutions have some sort of um, auto backup, and I, you know, I, I would not do it any less than once a day, and usually that that happens at night. So, when backing up your data, make sure it's um, you know at least once a day. It's, and and these are and, and these and can an be automated. Yes, yeah, it can be automated, and it should be automated so you don't forget it. And the and the so okay so the price and the prices for that can be from what I've understand can be as low as uh, you know a few hundred dollars if even that a month. Yeah, it, it can be depending. You know, again, if you have limited. Um, resources to spend on, um, you know, backing up your data. Though I, I would recommend, you know, backing up as much as you can. If you can't do it all, you know, put, you know, do a risk assessment. Figure out which ones you absolutely need um, before, uh, during, or immediately following the storm, and make sure that those applications and uh, software programs are backed up and readily restorable um, when you're, you know, immediately following the disaster. Mm-hmm. And again, disasters don't have to be – you don't have to be in a hurricane-prone uh, prone area. You don't have to be – I mean, it could just be, let's say someone sets up a um, a fire or something in a company, uh, you know, toaster oven, and the sprinklers go off, and it just – it drenches your servers or something to that effect. I mean, 
it's just, I mean, things can happen, and, you know, there's many statistics that suggest that, you know, many, um, uh, a lot of data theft is, um, comes from internal sources. You just have to really be careful with, um, with, with your data and make sure that it's backed up and, and secure. Mm-hmm. Um, that being the keyword secure, um, we'll take a couple of minutes now to talk about security. And I know that I am on many listservs where people talk about uh, cloud computing and, and different concerns. Uh, I know on the ABA has a good listserv called Solo Says, and there are people who sound off on all sorts of uh, different, you know, they're uh, very different places with uh, their different levels of um, technology savvy and interest. Some people say cloud computing is wonderful. They love it. They feel very secure. Other people are concerned and afraid that uh, things that can be um, seen online are going to possibly uh, you know, run them afoul of different ethical rules. And I think a lot of the articles about Google and data mining have really freaked people out. Um, I know lawyers who are very vehemently opposed to even using a Gmail-based uh, email application for fear that Google is seeing sensitive client information. What are your thoughts on, on security and the cloud? I mean, of course, like I said, you you should definitely research the vendor as as um, as much as you can. I mean, I I mean, you have to compare apples to apples. You know, certainly you don't want to have things um, vulnerable over the internet. But on the other hand, you know, what what do you currently have now? I mean, is it is it more or less vulnerable than having it, um, you know, cloud based or internet based? Well, I would make um, a suggestion that. If you have a law firm with a cleaning staff, we all know that files don't always get put away. And I worked in family law, and I know that there were several times that there were client financials and disclosures and uh, non-public information uh, on people's desks. And if you were a would-be thief, all you need to do is get a job cleaning law firms. Boom! You've got access to you know so much. I mean, not does everyone you know log their computer off uh, or turn it off at the end of the day, or is their computer not password protected? Can you just walk up to it and uh, you know make a copy of what's on under my documents? I mean, people aren't you know another thing that I always find really um, interesting is all the levels of security and passwords, and then people will have the passwords written on a post-it note. Yeah. Right on the front of their monitor. Well, that's, that's you know wonderful. You know, <laughs> always always funny. But I suppose um, Yehuda, when we talked before, one of the things that you had said was that you know security is you know nothing's absolutely 100% secure. And I will draw the analogy to um, a house. You can have a nice security system, but it doesn't stop from one someone from uh, taking a sledgehammer to the door. You hit the door enough times. Door's going to come open, or you throw something through the window. Window's going to break. Same is true, uh, likely then, with cloud computing. Well, I mean, look, you, you have to. I mean, in most cases, the cloud app will, will probably be more secure than local. But you should absolutely research the vendor. I mean, now that cloud is cloud, it's become almost a, um, a buzzword, and so um, a lot of IT or IT consultants and IT vendors are recognizing that. And so what happens is, unfortunately, is that they will arbitrarily throw um, the uh, quote-unquote cloud offering into their service offering without having the proper um, development, without having the proper testing of these applications. So it's really key to see um, when researching um, a cloud vendor to see, you know, how long, they've, how long have they been doing this, you know, which cl what clients do they have. You know, if they have publicly traded clients, or if they have uh, security-sensitive uh, law firms that are already clients, then, then you know, for an extended period of time, then that, that's a good sign. Because especially when you have, um, you know, when these publicly traded companies have to comply with legislative standards and they have regular audits, then um, you know they have these auditors uh, come in, third-party auditors come in and do a uh, complete audit of the of the. Um, of the system, you want to you, uh, you you almost have a third party validation of that. But again, do do your do your due diligence and research. Yeah, most people give you third party audit. Will, will they tell you that? Oh well, like I said, I mean, what I would do is like you know ask for references, and if those if some of those uh, clients 
you know, if some of their clients are publicly traded, then that's that, that's probably a good sign because they have to be audited for Sarbanes-Oxley by the you know Federal Trade Commission and the Securities and Exchange Commission, and um, they have uh, you know a third party third party excuse me auditor of their clients' infrastructure. And usually, what happens is is that when the um, third party auditor comes to the client, they can just kind of point to the cloud provider uh, for the infrastructure portion of that audit and um, just look out for for that's a good, that's one of the good signs of a one of the signs of a a good and experienced uh, cloud provider. Mm-hmm. We're going to take a break and have a few more commercial messages, and then we'll be back to talk more about technology and preparedness for the unlikely but sometimes inevitable disasters. And our fourth commercial sponsor of the day is Jim Thompson and the Get Clients Now program. If you want to get more clients now, then there's a seasoned attorney and marketing coach you need to talk to. Jim Thompson's program called Get Clients Now will help you take the crucial steps towards increasing your firm's revenues. The Get Clients Now program employs various time-honored techniques to help you attract new business and encourage referrals. Please visit LawyersMarketingResource.com and also check out the testimonials on that website. You can get in touch with Jim Thompson today by emailing him at J-E-T, like a jet, J-E-T, at MidwestConsultants.net. That's plural, MidwestConsultants.net. So the email is J-E-T at MidwestConsultants.net. And next, from Pleading Drafter Brand Services, if your office is disorganized and you are staring at the headaches that only another lawyer would understand, you can count on Pleading Drafter Brand Services to help you get your office in order. Many people hire us to help with billing, managing client files, making sense of technology, and, of course, legal research, writing, and filing. We are a full-service agency with law student and attorney staff ready to help you. Please call Nick at 312-505-2604 to find out how Pleading Drafter Brand Services can help you. Let us remind our listeners out there to share our broadcast links in their social networks. Many people do find our shows on their friends' Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn pages. We all thank you for your support in sharing our programming. Now back to our discussion with Yehuda Kagan about uh, hurricane preparedness and guidelines. We talked a little bit before about getting ready, preparing, doing a risk assessment uh, of your risks with what your technology the current status of um, what you have and what your exposure is, and then uh, talked a little bit about auditing your uh, technology and your disaster preparedness plan, obviously testing that plan and doing a drill beforehand to make sure everything works. Uh, And then also we talked a little bit about researching and finding a vendor who can help you and who is uh, well-qualified and uh, knows what they're doing, (laughs) for lack of better Uh, better word. Um, talking a little bit about the risk assessment, one of the things I really like about there on the list that you shared with me earlier, uh, product inventory. This seems to be such a good idea to, to to take a product inventory. Tell us a little more about how that's a beneficial thing. Well, you, you take a product inventory first. First of all, to know what you lost. I mean, you know, not you know, we sometimes we stockpile um, equipment and different things, you know, based on our needs, and then. Suddenly, when if that's all gone, we don't know, um, you know, what to replace or you know what exactly it is we need to replace. And we and obviously after a storm, you need to replace it quickly. Um, is that what your question was? Yeah. Well, it really, what should they be thinking about when doing a product inventory? Uh, you know, is it you know what's important that we have five computers or what's on those computers? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, you probably know you'll have five computers, but you all you know the the software that you have on those computers. And, and you know, like I said, the versions of those software. It's it's really important to have that as well. And uh, the, you should have the you know the uh, uh, the key codes or the um, the, the codes to uh, activate that software if you have to um, re- uh, purchase new or, or get new versions of that software. It's just the the um, technical support numbers are good to have if uh, you need to restore it immediately afterwards. And you just you want to have to. You want to have a situation in which you can quickly duplicate your environment. I mean, if the environment you, you had was working well, then you want to be able to pick up the pieces and you know continue working and 
duplicate that in, in entire environment so you can continue working post disaster. Mm-hmm. I'll make uh, I'll make a suggestion to the the attorneys listening. Um, and again, where most of our a lot of our audience is uh, solo and small firm uh, practitioners who do make up a very large majority of the uh, attorney public. And I've worked at several firms where the computers sort of go go downhill. Um, you know, highest on the totem pole gets new computer, and then they kind of all rotate downward. Well, you get to the point where you have the person who is um, um, you know, maybe just a, an office clerk that comes in a few times a week. Um, and, you know, they may have software on the computer that was new when the original partner had it five years ago. Um, and you'll have a, you know, a problem if you're going through and trying to reaccess things that if you don't have the right software and things up to speed. So one of the things that I've done on my end, and I can tell you that this has been a, a real lifesaver, is that I have um, what I use is a Microsoft Online Exchange Server program, and all my emails are backed up, and they're on a server somewhere in Microsoft land, or I call it the cloud, call it whatever. Um, but I know that when I get a new computer, all I have to do is download a link, and it'll pull in all my emails, so I don't have to worry about different versions of different things. And um, you know, the, the saving data also might. Data, data is backed up and saved you know, online somewhere. So if something were to happen, if I were to have a, a crash on the laptop, I'm not out of business. All I have to do is go. And uh, the other thing I do is I save. Most of us don't think to save the, um, you know, everything in your your uh, search uh, your search engine. You can save all your passwords and your links and all your favorites. You can back those up as well. Um, so really, you know, I, if I if I look at my situation, I could go to another computer uh, anywhere and you know be completely functional. And you know, learning to do that has been a good thing for me. And I think that uh, my suggestion, and Yehuda can likely back me up on this, is that for the price of having a good system and having online backups and having security, you're better off than the alternative, which I often saw was this computer's not working, we're not sure why, and uh, you know, someone from the firm would run out to Staples or Best Buy, buy a new, you know, basic uh, you know, workhorse computer, and then the other one sits there. Well, that other one that's sitting there that eventually may get uh, you know, set out uh, for recycling, what's on that hard drive? What kind of data's on there? I, you know, it boggles my mind that people will uh, recycle machines without, um, you know, thinking that, you know, that there's a hard drive somewhere, you know, even on a, on a, like, let's say a photocopier, um, you know, these are concerns. Um, so d- does my, my history and my account uh, sound to be correct? No, you're absolutely right. There's this, there's little memory chips on some, a lot of these new, uh, printers that do keep the data and, and there's been stories. Actually, there's a, um, there's been special reports on, on, um, how to, uh, or the, the import, uh, recognizing the importance of um, of uh, deleting, not deleting that data because you need to reformat it for another purpose. But if you're reformatted on your new computer or your new system, um, you know, make sure that you've um, wiped out all that data. Yeah. And, and certainly, you know, I, I know there's an, also a trend, um, you know, for, you know, going to the cloud. And a lot of companies or a lot of firms, excuse me. Um, will use certain applications. And one of the key things to remember is that um, when you had some of those applications on site or on your local computer, they they basically communicated with some of, you know, a lot of them communicate with other computers, I mean other software. So you want to make sure that you're the the um, applications that are in, in the cloud now can um, communicate with those that are still on your local desktop. Does that make sense? Can you explain a little bit more. Okay, little. so let's let's say you have um, it within Outlook, um, your your uh, email application. You have a, um, a a document management uh, application tied into that that integrates with it. So and let's say you want to put like you like you just did. You you went to the cloud and now you have your Outlook in email um, in the cloud. And you just have, but what you have to do is, when you do go to the cloud, you have to ask that vendor or make sure that vendor can um, integrate your email, which is not on your uh, local computer anymore, but it's in the cloud. Make sure that it can accurately communicate 
um, with the document management software that is uh, still residing on your local system. Mm-hmm. And 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 that's a that's a that can be a, uh, can be a problem because you know the efficiency of computers is that they speak to one another. Then the accounts payable talks with the accounts receivable and everything like that. So there are many times they're very much integrated. And um, the worst the, the the worst thing is to have some sort of um, uh, problem determination issue in which multiple vendors are pointing their fingers at one another. You want to make sure that that uh, you set expectations as to um, who's responsible for what. If you're, you are using multiple uh, cloud vendors or if you're using a cloud vendor, you want to integrate it and you want it to speak with your local system, so your desktop. Mm-hmm. You know, in this all, again, those are things, provisions um, that should go into a disaster preparedness plan. Um, Crisis, you call it a crisis emergency plan. I know that uh, on the other side of the the coin with, um, you know, different uh, things with technology and social media, that's one of the things that we've talked to several people about, how to create a policy um, to handle a crisis because a crisis can happen um, at different times. You never know what uh, what's going to happen. So you have to have a policy and things in in place so that um, when things do occur, you're ready to handle and deal with them. So again, having a good plan for disaster preparedness should be part of your law firm's policy and procedure. You heard of how many people have told you that they have at their business that, you know, what's your experience with working with people that they have these um, as a part of their corporate uh, materials? Are you asking how many people have a disaster plan in place? Yeah, or? in your experience. I mean, you know, I mean, we're, you know, law firms are, you know, it's, it's a different, it's a different animal sometimes. Um, a lot of the corporate world uh, sometimes is a little uh, quicker uh, on some of these things. So I guess my question is, when you work with uh, different companies, do people tell you that they have uh, a disaster preparedness plan in line with IT, or do they look at you with a funny look on their face? Well, well, some it, it will vary, but a lot of them will say, "Yeah, we have a we back up our data," and uh, then we ask them something to the effect of, "Well, what what is the recovery interval?" And they kind of kind of blink their eye, give me a, a, a blank stare, and they're not sure what we mean. And when we when we um, explain to them that you know just because it's backed out doesn't mean it can be um, easily restored, um, you know they start to you know take a harder look at um, at the disaster plan. Um, and, and you know uh, just last week someone called us up, and um, you know we were talking about their firm. It's a, uh, and they asked, and I asked them, you know, what exact, you know, why are you calling? And you have a, uh, you have any, I asked them if they're having any specific problems, and they just simply said, um, you know, we've been, you know, we're a uh, mid-sized law firm, and we need a net, we need a safety net, and that's exactly what your plan is. It's a safety net in the event that something does happen, and um, more, I would say, more companies that, uh, than than uh, than not that do not have a uh, disaster plan in place. And, and if they have it in place, they have not tested it, which is, you know, key to the plan. Okay. So having the plan, testing the plan, have the plan, test the plan. I have um, a caller here from – I am not. I can't identify the area code. Um, caller, are you there? No, must be someone just listening. Callers, if you do have a question, you can press one, uh, number one, when you first call in to the radio show switchboard to uh, ask a question. So we're going to take a quick break for our final round of messages, and then uh, in our last 15 minutes, I'd like to talk a little bit uh, about what we've learned. Um, And then again, this is some of the IT lessons learned from uh, Ike. So we'll hear from Yehuda a little bit about uh, different things and uh, some of the proactive data storage and disaster recovery uh, elements that have been learned from uh, you know what hasn't occurred correctly, I suppose, in the past. Um, so we're going to pause, and at this point in our show, the three-quarter mark, we bring you Law Practice Management Resources. The first comes from the ABA, American Bar Association Publishing ABA Web Store. This week's title is A Portable Guide to Federal Conspiracy Law, Tactics and Strategies for Criminal and Civil Cases, Second Edition. Conspiracy. It's a word that connotates intrigue, complexity, and headaches for the unprepared lawyer. 
You need information on federal conspiracy law quickly and easily. You need trial tactics and strategies and case law to back up your arguments. A Portable Guide to Federal Conspiracy Law 2nd Edition gives you the information you will need when you need it. This newly updated version is practical, well-organized, and takes a look at federal conspiracy law. You'll have ready access to relevant cases without trudging through the footnotes and complicated citations. The table of contents and index are arranged to direct you quickly to the pertinent subject matter. Conspiracy defense or prosecution can be as complicated and murky as the subject itself. This portable, easy-to-use guide addresses the complex issues of a federal conspiracy case and provides you with expert advice. Again, this week's title from ABA is Tactics and Strategies for Criminal and Civil Cases, The Portable Guide to Federal Conspiracy Law. Secondly, from the Law Bulletin Publishing Company, when you subscribe to the Chicago Daily Law Bulletin and the Chicago Lawyer Magazine, you will receive up-to-date legal news from Chicago and around Illinois. Also, check out the Law Bulletin blog, Attorneys in Transition, which offers advice and tips for those lawyers going through a career transition. It also hosts a monthly career seminar for lawyers in flux in their careers. I am one of the weekly advice columnists published by Attorneys in Transition site, and I do hope that you stop by and leave your comment at attorneysintransition.com. Finally, before we get back to our show, we want to ask for questions and comments. Please share them through our Law Talk Radio fan page on Facebook. Simply search for Law Talk Radio under the Facebook search bar or in Google. Now back to our show with Yehuda Kagan of XFAND. Quickly, can tell us a little bit about XFAND and your company, um, assuming that we're you know, talking about a lot of the same things that uh, uh, we're talking about today are what you do for people every day. What's a day? What's a normal day look like there at XFAND? What do you do? What do we do here at XFAND? Yep. Um, in particular to um, hurricane season or... or uh, just generally, generally, generally speaking. Well, you know, what we do, what we do is, um, is I, I guess you can uh, draw an analogy to a, a power plant. So um, I guess 150 years ago or so when, uh, you know, companies or, you know, I don't know if firms did, but certainly companies, you had to generate their own electricity. And that required having on-site personnel. It required having generators. It required having uh, people maintaining those generators and, a power, and you know obtaining power sources and, and everything, energy sources, and everything like that. And so we've essentially taken that same approach and that same model um, to uh, business computing or you know law firm computing. And so um, are those um, you know a power plant? Uh, let's say. Um, make their money through uh, through economies of scale, and they basically have invested in all the equipment. They've invested in all the personnel, so that you and I don't have to have a power plant or you know a generator or power sources on site. We simply plug in, and we pay for what we use. And the, um, the you know our energy provider um, you know makes their money from uh, by economies of scale. And we've essentially taken that a similar approach to uh, to uh, law firm computing. So rather than having um, on-site equipment, rather than having on-site personnel or, or you know, more personnel than you need, um, we've essentially invested in the um, the IT infrastructure and the uh, personnel to manage it. So, for example, if you are, you know, at any given point in time, a generator will um, will uh, deteriorate or it'll need repairs or it'll lock down at a power plant. But you, as the customer, don't know because there's backups and there are people running you know, wild behind the scenes, making sure everything is, you know, running smoothly and, you you know, you rarely see a glitch. And that that's kind of what we're doing here. You know, our clients very rarely, you know, or not at all, they don't see any issues going on. But, you know, there's always different different components that need to be replaced, that need to be repaired. And, you know, doing it through the cloud, you've, you've, you as the client, or the client of the cloud, of cloud computing have essentially transferred the onus of IT responsibility to the cloud provider. And so that's essentially what uh, what we do here. Now, there are some uh, times in which um, clients, um, you know, aren't um, well-versed in certain software programs, and so when they have questions with, regarding to these, uh, with regard to these issues, they'll just call our help desk, and, uh, you know, we're, ans- we're answering their uh, questions, and we're ha- holding our hands along the way. Wonderful. And so, and, and, yeah, and we... we, we um, we charge, uh, you know, per user per month. So if they're not happy with us, you know, we essentially we have to make sure that they're happy with us. 
Well, that's a good thing. People like to be happy with a provider, and a, and a provider who's knowledgeable and uh, communicates exactly what they're doing is really the best provider out there. Um, so can we talk a little bit now in the minutes we have remaining about uh, the lessons learned from Ike? From, so proactive data and storage, uh, what are some of the things that we learned from that experience? Well, we had a few um, a few clients, and you know they weren't our they weren't our clients before Ike, but uh, but they are now, and certainly uh, you can understand I can't uh, I can't name them, but um, you know they had um, they didn't have a disaster plan in place, they didn't have um, they had a, a power backup, but uh, you know it, it was maybe for an hour or so, and um, they were literally down for multiple weeks, and it took an enormous amount of effort, an enormous amount of resources. To uh, to get them back uh, um, up and running, and, and I can give you an, an example from uh, Katrina as well. We've all we've all seen the uh, you know the, the awful pictures of the uh, you know New Orleans underwater, and we actually helped um, a New Orleans firm uh, gather that data from within the flood and uh, restore it on our systems, and and just and, and try to imagine a, you know a hundred person law firm. Um, not billing and not being able to bill and and we I spoke earlier about um the effect it can have on your image or effect it can have on uh you know future uh prospects or or uh client relationships but just imagine if you have a, a high case pending and you just said you don't have access to that data either it hasn't been restored or it's or it's been lost um you can imagine the embarrassment and the effect it'll have on your relationship with your clients you just you're just not reliable anymore, and that, you know that's more than anything else. That's what um, that's what clients. I mean, it, it costs. I mean, bottom line, it, it'll it costs you money, and a lot of people are worried about you know setting up a a um, a, a disaster plan might cost them um, some money up front, and it might take a little time. You know, take a little time as far as resources go. But I I can guarantee you that the uh, the time is well spent, and, and certainly if you're going with the cloud computing provider, there's, there, there are not many upfront costs. You know, we spend so much money on insurance and don't even think twice about it. Malpractice rates are, are high. Uh, you know, other business insurance, you know, there's insurance all over the place. We pay to protect our possessions. We pay to protect ourselves from exposure. But so many of us seem to be computing unprotected. Yes, unfortunately, yeah. I, it's and, and people don't they, they don't do it purposely. It, they just they just don't know or they just don't have the time to deal with it. But it, it's like I said, it's it's certainly time well spent. And if you know, if anyone has uh, you know any questions about how to put together a plan, you know, I you know they can you know be happy to contact me or their disaster um, uh, preparation uh, specialists out there that uh, would be definitely worth talking to if you can't if you don't have the time. And my my suggestion to those who are nervous about fears uh, of cloud computing and security, I will suggest this: if you read your malpractice uh, policy, take a look and see what it says there about different uh, prohibitions. If there's a um, an express prohibition of certain activity, then you should obviously pay pay mind to that. Um, however, after talking to enough people within, uh, you know, here in Illinois, we have the uh, the Illinois ARDC, the Attorney and Registration and Disciplinary Commission, um, handles ethics complaints and such. And I believe strongly that if you take the proper steps to ensure the security of your clients, you've done your due diligence and picked a good off-site provider, you've done your homework, you know that they're, uh, you know, you're doing cloud computing with a company who's at the same standards for uh, other people who ha are under reporting under Sarbanes-Oxley, for example. If you do all those steps, I think you'll be fine. I would have a hard time imagining uh that someone uh, suggests you know that you're going to get called under the carpet or lose your license because you had your email or your files backed up on a cloud uh, system i just think that's a little bit of foolishness um and it's just maybe some rightful uh you know not being knowledgeable about the different technology but i will suggest that this is the way things are going and i think that you know i know now i look at the software i haven't downloaded software onto my computer in a long 
especially from a CD or media, it seems to either be in the USB device I plug in or I'm accessing it online, um, you know, so much. Uh, you know, can you imagine if Facebook were a software that you had to download on your computer? It's not. And, you know, as more and more applications become available online, you know, we already are in the cloud for a large, you know, amount of our of our lives, we just don't even realize it, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, anybody that banks online, you know, I mean, if you if you do your banking online, you're in the cloud essentially. And it just, um, but you know, when you're doing it for your business, you just have to make sure that um, that uh, you know the applications or the software programs um, can speak and communicate with one another, especially um, you know with regard to your emailing and your billing system, which is so critical to law firms. And uh, you mentioned USBs. You've got to be very careful with those USBs and especially laptops. I mean, I would say, I mean, I've seen statistics that, that suggest that over 50% of um, data loss is from, is, uh, from USBs or um, portable devices like laptops that have been stolen or misplaced or lost. I mean, I, I, I've seen statistics that would suggest that um, the average laptop has over, you know, a quarter million dollars worth of uh, data on it. Um, so, if you, but if you have that in the cloud, um, it's accessible through via your laptop. But if your laptop does get stolen, um, you don't have any company data on that. And 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 I would be very careful and have a policy in place for um, employees that want to ha- use their own personal mobile devices um, for accessing, um, um, you know, firm data or you know client data, and just have a policy in place, or at least have some sort of device that can remotely wipe out that data in the event that it is uh, lost or replaced. And uh, yeah, like you said, if you have all these um, uh, measures in place, you know, you, you'd be, uh, you, you'd be in good shape. And, and, and like I said, I, the IT portion is just one small portion of the disaster recovery plan. And a lot of p- times, you know, firm partners and administrators will look at it and it seems like it's so daunting. But if you do kind of take the first step and let's say uh, start with, some, with a cloud computing uh, solution, then you're, uh, you, you have a firm foundation in place um, around which you can you know, establish your disaster plan. Exactly. Can we get some contact information for people who have questions and want to get a hold of you? Sure. Uh, our website, our web address is www.isutility.com, and uh, you can reach us at 832 832- Two zero four four nine zero nine over the phone. All right. Thank you so much for your time again. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. All right, Yehuda Kagan from XFan Technologies. We also want to thank our commercial sponsors for the show today, Law Office of Nancy K. Ducharme, Peak Marketing and Sales, Law Publicist Communications, and Jim Thompson of Midwest Consulting Group. We want to, again, remind you this is a general information program. The advice shared on this show does not constitute legal advice. Communication with attorneys does not give rise to attorney-client relationship. Law Talk Radio does not necessarily endorse all opinions expressed, and the rights to this broadcast are reserved. Law Talk Radio episode. Episodes are programmed to entertain and bring you the attorney and non-attorney audiences a tip and tools and practice area information you can use to be better informed practitioners and consumers of legal services. With our guests and listeners located worldwide, we appreciate the opportunity to use this socially networked radio program to bring people together and share collective intelligence. Again, this is Nick Augustine, the law publicist for Law Talk Radio, and I thank you for your time. <laughs>